Again, hello, welcome to this month's edition of BizTech Blueprint. I'm Katherine Brown. I'm the Public Relations Director at INE. Um, I'm joined by Kevin Lanning, who is the Chief Information Security Officer at UNC Systems. And um, Kevin, we are so happy to have you with us. Um, to give you a little background on Kevin, prior to his current position with the UNC System Office, Kevin spent 18 years with UNC Chapel Hill as Executive Director and Chief Information Security Officer incident response manager, as well as a variety of other information technology roles. And then prior to Carolina, he worked as a healthcare risk manager in the private sector. So Kevin, of course, brings a wealth of knowledge to the table, including broad information technology and risk management experience. We are going to learn a lot from him. And Kevin, uh, we are so glad and honored to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Catherine. My pleasure, pleasure to be here. Uh, you can hear me okay? Yep, we've got you loud and clear. Yeah, thank you. Um, Neil Bridges also joining us today. Neil has built and led multiple global security operation centers for Fortune 100 companies. Neil owns his own company, Root Access Protection. And from a start at, at Cyber Command in the Air Force, Neil has been a leader in strategical, operational, and tactical areas of cybersecurity. So um, just appreciate you both being with us today. We're in for a really good conversation and hope to get some answers to, uh, to a lot of questions out there and headed to 2021 with some really clear ideas of, uh, of what our priorities are. So today, as we sit here and on this January, mid-January day of 2021, we are looking at the funding priorities in IT for this, uh, what will certainly be an extraordinary year in circumstances that we have never seen before. Um, so we're asking, is your company poised to protect and defend itself over the next 12 months? Um, we'll explore some of the biggest challenges and specifically some uh, strategies and ways that you can implement now to overcome some of those challenges. Uh, and we really hope to give you and your team the best chance to succeed and, and to really thrive in this remarkable and, uh, and quite unusual environment. So uh, without further ado, let's jump right into things. Um, Kevin, wanna get started with, with a question for you. Um, and just a stat, the 2021 Global Tech Outlook report from Red Hat found 45% of respondents say IT security is their top priority. And within that, network security, cloud security, and data protection are the top three funding priorities. Kevin, given your responsibility, your experience, and what you've got going on now leading really a, a, a vast system, uh, I want to just start by asking, what are your top funding priorities heading into this year? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, so uh, I think of my role more as teaming than leading, but, but thank you. Um, so top priorities, remote risks are different, right? We're more remote now, the risks are different. Someone uh, working from their home is on commodity retail networking equipment versus the managed equipment that might be at a, a company, larger organization. Um, the second thing is people are, are not getting, they're, they're not having as much separation in their workspace uh, as they would normally have. So, you know, at work, they may have a committed workspace and at home that may be more difficult. So things that support remote work, that support separation of space, it's not unusual in information security for people to be paged in the middle of the night. And so, you know, that could be very disruptive to a household, um, but people in these roles are familiar with that. Um, and, then, and then for me, the third category, I'm not gonna mention specific um, companies or technologies because I do invest in this space, but 
Um, the third thing that comes to mind for me is, is making sure our communications with each other and our support for each other is strong. Spend more time on communications. Um, whereas in an office setting, you might, you might uh, detect that someone's having a problem easier. You have uh, more uh, robust communications. That's not as easy to do remotely. And then um, communications, especially with our leadership, things are different. Our risks are different. We need to make sure they understand what we see that's different so, so they don't get blindsided by any kind of uh, incident, right? Um, and I think in a time of disruption like this, it's also an opportunity for us to show information security and IT as other than just a cost center. It's an opportunity for us to show that we can come up with solutions to current problems. So a paper workflow that worked just fine a year ago, maybe purchasing products, uh, there's an opportunity for security and IT to step forward and point out that we might be able to have secure, effective IT workflow automation and secure uh, digital signatures, encryption in transit and make automation of that workflow, IT transformation uh, safer and more effective than ever. Well, and I just, I want to pick on that a little bit, Kevin, because I, I know that for years, right, a lot of IT organizations and security organizations have had a cloud first strategy. And I think COVID last year really thrust a lot of the, the advancement in terms of how the dynamic worked in the IT organizations as people shifted in their, in their work from office to work from home dynamic, where do you see different in 2021 um, about that acceleration of a cloud first strategy that may have been different in 2020 or even in years prior where there wasn't that big of a push? We're gonna see more cloud adoption. I think we're gonna see more diversification in cloud adoption, so more cloud products. It's more important than ever that staff get an opportunity to be trained and certified in the technologies that the organizations on this call have committed to um, so that they be sure and get it right. You know, it used to be the case that uh, I knew 10, 15 years ago, I knew the people who ran the machine room and the servers and did the administration, right? With cloud, um, it is more, more based on contracts and, and vendor reputations and so forth. And so it's really important to have the training um, and the certification right. But I do see more of the same and more diversity in cloud as well. Now, now I know, um, you know, kind of cloud, <clears throat> excuse me, cloud security and data protection really kind of go hand in hand. And there's always been this, this construct of how do you ensure good data protection in your cloud environments, especially to your point, since you don't know the guys who are running running the servers in, in that environment. But now that we've we've kind of exacerbated the, you know, the the, the boundaries of the corporate network to, to people's home offices, how, where is that balance between cloud security, data protection, and, and enabling your, you know, your users to do that remote work, um, you know, kind of in this new way of working? I, I think I think it's really essential that business leadership be a part of that conversation, right? Because uh, people on the front lines or middle management who see those risks and those opportunities, it's really important to touch bases with leadership about the balance because the balance changes, mm -hmm. right? In late March of last year, 
everything changed and our ability to adapt uh, to those changes was essential. So I think touching bases with your enterprise risk management and other risk management and leadership groups to find that balance is essential. And it's really important to articulate it well, right? It can't be an IT answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say, Kevin, just uh, to a practical point. How do you convey this when you're sitting down with business leaders and others who, um, you know, are making the the financial decisions and, and other business decisions? How do you convey how critical these priorities are and things like training uh, is without using that technical language that may not resonate with them. Yeah, excellent point. Uh, You know, there are a lot of different ways and different people have different styles. People who are familiar with me know that I use a lot of analogies, right? We all, everybody, every one of us uh, on this call and beyond, we we deal with risk every day, Mm -hmm. right? We decide to uh, repair an appliance or to put new tires on a car or weight or whatever. And so we're all dealing with risk every day. And so using those analogies in the uh, IT environment, if winter's coming on and making sure that the uh, heating system uh, is is working well, it's it's essential and timely. Is um, when you when you find when you talk about communicating upwards and communicating to leadership, one of the things that I have found is that there's a there's a stark difference um, with with stuff coming out of the IT and the security organization as they convey, especially on the security side, as they convey to the board. Um, we, we have a hard time conveying you know, the the risk and the things that we think are cool in our cybersecurity organizations to the board in a way that helps them make funding decisions to back the appropriate cybersecurity initiatives. What's kind of been your experience with that? And, and what's some of the kind of some of your take on um, and trying to speak the board language, which is the the value to the shareholders and the, the, the costs and risk to the organization? I think understanding your business really well and understanding uh, the, what the board you know, what its responsibilities and interests are, and then tuning into that, right? So what is the strategic plan? What If you have access to documents, what are the five-year, what is the five-year plan? What is your gross margin, net margin, and how do you drive those business metrics? Um, And, you know, if it's a nonprofit, how do, how, what is your board thinking of in terms of the effectiveness of your organization? And, and then speaking in those terms, um, they get it. And then, and then one thing that I think really helps is, is going the extra mile to make sure they don't feel uh, like they can't just speak from their expertise, right? We in security and in IT over the years, we've had to become so technical. It's not just that we speak a different language. We speak many different languages, right? <laughs> Database, cloud, yes. operating system, you know, it just goes on. Yes. And, um, and so I think building the comfort level mm-hmm. that they're not going to be uh, judged or you know, they, can, they can speak in the terms they understand and we're, we're going to meet them there because they, they are the experts and they are in charge of the organization. So tune into where they are and then support them, the mission, the strategy. 
It, it's funny you bring that up because it still amazes me the number of, of of IT and cybersecurity leaders, especially in public companies, that don't take the time to read like a 10K or something like that, which is messages that come directly from the CEO and the board as to where those initiatives are. Yeah. Excellent point. And, you know, um, public companies are going to have um, uh, quarterly investor conferences. You know, it's not it's not IT. It's not security. Mm-hmm. But listening to that really helps tune in to that CEO's projection to the world. You know, what is our company? What is our organization? And what do we deliver? And then you can take that and you can convey your IT and your cybersecurity strategies to appropriate align with, with those organizational goals and those strategic goals at the board level. Exactly. Exactly. And so, for example, for a higher ed or organization, you know, it was essential last spring to continue education, even though many of the employees and students were less uh, less location uh, based than in the past, mm-hmm. single location based. Kevin, taking uh, just a little bit of a sidestep here, I'm just curious because it, it's fascinating to me. What was it like to be you this spring when everything suddenly shifted and you had to just kind of scramble? What? Give us a picture of what that was like for you. Yeah, thanks. You know, that's a great question. And I hadn't thought about it objectively very much, but I think it's like having all your tools not available to you all of a sudden. Maybe it's like being on vacation or being being away from home, maybe at an in-law's house at the holidays. You know at home where all your tools and you know your your dishwasher, whatever it is, your refrigerator is. But, but when you get out of that work environment, for me, a good example is, no surprise, I have lots of monitors at mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. right? And so that I can multitask uh, efficiently. And at home, I was on a laptop with a you know, 10-inch screen. <laughs> and so having, yeah, so having three spreadsheets open was really challenging until I got it sorted out. I love that analogy, and I want to kind of pull on that thread just a little bit, right? Because I think that that same thing could be said at a much broader scale for a lot of IT and cybersecurity organizations when that happened. And so, as you look to 2021, and we don't really have an end to sight, what are the what are kind of some of the technology classes or some of the technology ideas that you think might be worth looking at or, or investing in for organizations in 2021 that might help them feel with that, you know, kind of cope with that desire that they've lost control of some of their tools or or lost some of the key things to make their organization successful? Yeah, so anything that helps with analytics and pulling together different data sources and putting them in a single pane of glass or minimal um, correlation of information. I mean, I I remember years ago, uh, I could walk into a room and there would be people talking with each other Mm -hmm. across tables and over cubicle walls and so forth. And we just don't have that opportunity. It's harder now. Even if we have chat and and those things, uh, Zoom, you don't have all the cues that you have in Mm -hmm. person, right? So communications become harder. So any tool that allows you to integrate information so that when the security analyst, security employee gets something, let's call it an alert, they see multiple angles on that. Whereas they might've gotten up from their desk a couple of years ago and walked to a colleague and said, hey, I'm seeing this, what are you seeing? Now they need to see that 
in a single tool, single pane of glass to the extent possible? In that, in that regard, I get you sound like obviously having having been in that security operations role and led a lot of security operations teams. You, it sounds like you're talking about something like a centralized sim or you know a, you know some type of, of organization like that. And I know one of the you know one of the technologies that's kind of on the cusp as we roll into 2021 is this concept of XDR and bringing all of that together in XDR. Do you have any you know if you were to look at strategies for 2021, where do you see the evolution of XDR? Where do you think that that's going to come about on the conversation scale, especially when it pertains to things like centralized visibility and whatnot? That's a really great example of a technology that I think gets at what I was alluding to. And, uh, you know, uh, we, I think we're early in mm -hmm. that technology. So it's a great technology, uh, extended, uh, um, in, instead of just endpoint um, uh, detection and remediation, we're extending that, right? Mm -hmm. And integrating tools, uh, integrating analysis, um, with XDR extended um, tool. Um, I think uh, we're early in the process. And so as, as with a lot of the technologies we've seen come over the years, there's a danger that we could get into a technology with a vendor that isn't well-established maybe, uh, that doesn't yet have a price to earnings ratio. You know, mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't earn money yet, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and so they could be bought by another company, et cetera. They may also not have uh, top of top shelf tools in every one of the areas that's being ingested by the tool, Yeah. right? So I think there's some great products out there, the established players who are gonna survive consolidation it is probably a better bet. And, and uh, until we find those mature tools, then we're going to have to have one tool from one vendor and one tool from another vendor and, and have products that ingest that data. I don't know that market space as well as I will. And so I guess I, I might ask you, uh, Neil, you know, are there, are there beginning to be products in that space that are either ingesting from other uh, tool, other companies, other uh, tools from from other places and ingesting and, and dealing with that well, uh, or do they have high enough quality tools that their suite is sufficient? No, I appreciate that. And, and, I, and I love it. I love it when our guests flip the questions back over on me that I like that interactivity. I, I, I'm in alignment with you. I think I think XDR is too new of a space and, and you know, Gartner was quick to rush to establish it as a um, you know, as a, as a, you know, a, a topic on, on its, uh, on, a, on its annual report. And I don't think we have enough players who have really defined what XDR looks like. And when you think about the definition of XDR, when it talks about bringing, bringing centralized visibility, you hit the nail on the head, sir, when you talk about, you know, that's, that's what we've done in the past where we've got a sock and a knock and, you know, organizations that are looking at things like technologies like solar winds or Splunk or Elastic or something like that to do that centralized visibility. And I'm with you. I think the, the cautious, um, you know, skeptical eye approach as you look to make investments in 2021, because I know, uh, you know, virtual RSA is right around the corner. And, and I anticipate with, you know, as with any other RSA, XDR is going to be the top of mind on everybody's conversation list. And so I, I, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. A skeptical look at technologies like that in 2021 is, is probably pretty appropriate. 
something that's mo been most helpful to me in the past in, in this space, you know, where are we going to make our investment is, has been getting into a training event at a, mm -hmm. a remote conference, RSA or whatever, and asking someone in a hallway. Yes. And, you know, they're not worried about being overheard. They're not That's worried right. about it being an email. They're not they're not worried about any of that. They're just going to tell you. And then that's when you get to hear, well, we had these challenges. It, it's funny you bring that up because I, I was at RSA last year before, um, you know, b before everything happened in, in March. And, and some of the things that we heard out of the, the global CISO conference that was being held at RSA with with like Netflix CISO and Apple CISO and, and Microsoft CISO and whatnot, was that their largest disappointment in investment in 2020 um, and 2019 was actually uh, CASB, Cloud Access Security Broker. Um, do you want to weigh in on on that from an investment perspective? Is that, you know, you think that technology is matured enough to maybe relook at it in 2021 or, or has that been your experience as well? Well, you know, as as I think about CASB and I think about XDR, isn't XDR becoming the next CASB? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess to the extent that in addition to um, importing information from various tools, it's able to absorb information so broadly that it's pulling in logs and other things from cloud tools, maybe it becomes the next CASB. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I, you know, I, I think, I think Casby rode some, rode some coattails very much like XDR has, and it, it quickly became, you know, cloud access security, all the things that people like to hear from a buzzword perspective. And I think Casby definitely fell into that, that trap of, you know, you hear about it at RSA and then it instantly becomes a cybersecurity and IT security strategy and initiative for the following year. And I think that that led to a lot of, a lot of disappointment at last year's RSA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for these vendors to um, get it right over an expand. If, if I'm right, that cloud is going to continue to expand and we're going to have more and more software as a service and cloud choices in the future. The, the software writing challenge for people producing CASBs is going to be more difficult. Absolutely. Kevin, just to, to one of the points that you brought up um, earlier in the conversation is, um, you know, a big challenge for so many companies is that they had all these tools in place to, to train and to secure their, their company, uh, assuming that people were sitting at their desks and now they're not. And we can assume that, uh, you know, they, they, they won't be in 2021 either, at least not as many as, uh, as we're used to seeing over the years. Um, are there, or I guess, how can companies use the tools that they already have, take those and adapt them to this new reality that we're facing now? Yeah, I think it's, it's all about communication and communication at all levels. Um, making sure that if there's a problem, we share that in a way that it can be heard. Uh, so some things I see remote, someone shared with me the other day, uh, they said, well, why is it on Zoom that people wave goodbye when a presentation <laughs> is over? And why do they do that? Well, I mean, part of the reason is maybe the microphone doesn't work anymore. Maybe they've been muted by the, you know, the people running the call. It, it uses Neil less bandwidth, maybe, right, than, than <laughs> verbal. And, you know, so, so things have changed. Um, and I think 
communication allows us to make sure we're sharing with each other up and down your management chain and, um, and across all your coworkers, what are the challenges and how can we work together to resolve them? Another thing is I, I think we notice uh, with uh, various uh, remote technologies that sound will drop out due to UDP, right? We, we will see uh, sound drop and we don't know uh, if, if, we, if we failed to hear the critical word, <laughs> right? So, so interrupting and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know there are 30 people on this call, mm-hmm. ma'am, you know, to the boss, uh, but without being disrespectful in any way, I don't think I heard that. Would you mind repeating that for me? Mm-hmm. It sounded, you know, the critical point of your presentation, could you repeat it? And um, so being sure to say those things to each other and then investing in the technologies, and there's a wide variety of these, uh, you know, a traditional technology VPN, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of VPNs that may have been uh, destined to, to uh right off into the sunset that uh, that brought back center stage, right? A year ago. Um, So investing in the technologies that really help. So if people are going to be remote, it's essential that they have good microphones, good headsets, good speakers, um, all the tools that make them as effective as possible. And Catherine, to your point, to to one of your points, to the extent that we continue to have people working remotely more than in the past, these tools are just going to benefit us down the road. I I think we were on a path to some information technology transformation, and we went from what was going to take five years to we, oh, oh, it got done in a year (laughs) or less. Or less. Like I'm I'm much better at remote technology (laughs) than I was a year ago. Um, And I think we all have those things. I I don't think there's anybody out there, or there are very few people out there getting their email printed out and reading it on paper. Very In in your spirit of analogies, uh, Kevin, (laughs) my kids have been playing Super Mario Brothers lately. And really, that's kind of what what it's felt like to me from a technology (laughs) standpoint is where you you know, you're on track and you're going to beat this world and beat this world. And all of a sudden you push like up, down, left, right, A, B. And we're like, whoa, we're in world eight. Like, how did this happen? You know? <laughs> all right, we're going to figure it out. Um, but uh, but I, I love the analogies um, and, and all that. So I want to get to a couple of the um, questions from our audience. Great. And um, we're running just a little bit behind, but I think this is really important. And hopefully the audience is, is uh, getting a lot out of this. So um this is a question that was submitted uh, from a, a webinar viewer. After the recent state-of-the-art espionage attack, shall firms prioritize investing in cyber technology or in building human capability? And I'll let you both handle this. Go ahead, Neil. Oh, I was going to say, you want to you tag team this one? Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's, you know, you have to look at the the, the cyber espionage thing, and it's, it, it makes for awesome news. And, and when we talk about investments, we talk about communications to management. This is one of those cases where the the what's in it for me or the message upward, it, it makes for really good headlines. It makes for really good news, but it's not really applicable to a lot of cybersecurity organizations or even a lot of IT or even board organizations that are out there because it it 
it doesn't necessarily, in, in my opinion, and, and Kevin, I'd love to have this this argument if you if you disagree with me on this. Is I don't think it changes a lot of people's cybersecurity strategy. What happened with Solar Winds? It's still a third party risk. You still have third party risk, and that's been something that's been part of most people's IT and cyber strategies for a really long time. Especially if you're in the manufacturing space. I think what it highlights for us is you know, maybe a new dynamic in which private organizations have to view their role in a global cyber conflict. Um, and I hate to put my military hat on, but, you know, I think that that's the, the highlight that they put for us uh, on, a, on an attack like SolarWinds. But for most boards and for most, uh, you know, business, uh, you know, you know, with them, what's in it for me, I just don't think that this drastically changes a lot of strategies for a lot of organizations. Kevin? Yeah, I agree. I think I think some of the areas that we've been able to demonstrate the, the hard work we do and the value to the organization, I think about vendor management, I think about interactions between organizations to the extent an organization knew, okay, we use this product, but we don't use a vulnerable version, or we use a product by this company, but working with our collaborators, uh, Neil, thank you for accepting my invitation on uh, mm-hmm. LinkedIn. By you know yesterday, thank. Yeah. So by working with with people like her on this call, uh, we're able to uh, determine quickly that a product I might have uh, with a company that's in the news due to a, an issue, an incident, uh, is not vulnerable, mm-hmm. or we don't have a reason to think it's vulnerable. So it's an opportunity to show that we know what we run, we know whether we have a problem in a particular instance or not. And then we have uh, the opportunities to give our communications folks time to put together communications that can reassure our partners, uh, pull together other partners to work if we do have a problem to work to get that problem resolved. So I I think it's shown us uh, how we can show our value and how we can show that we are using the resources we're given to have our organizations poised for the inevitable next thing. Absolutely. All right, real quick, uh, last question. And uh, I think both of you could probably answer this pretty quickly. Most dangerous cloud threats in 2021. Kevin, start with you. Most dangerous cloud threats. Okay, so um, I'm gonna pick if someone is not trained well in a cloud technology, let's say they're going to a cloud technology to establish an operating system for a new application. They don't know that technology well, they haven't been trained, they haven't been certified. They may miss a step and have ended up putting their organization in danger. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know this sounds really old school, but I'm gonna make the case for checklists. Yes. Right, for having a checklist. If you walk onto a, a, a sophisticated airplane today, mm-hmm. a pilot, you know, he or she is gonna have a checklist. It's not that they're not an expert, it's that they could be, they could be distracted and mm-hmm. miss a step. And so with cloud, I, I think that's an area we can at least avoid a possible issue this year. I, I think I, I think I'd have a hard time following up with that because I, I do agree. I think training is is key and paramount. And, and if I were to identify, uh, you know, something that I think is dangerous, you know, cl- from a cloud security threat perspective, you know, again, I would pick something that's probably more akin to to something that showed either a lack of checklists or a lack of training or a lack of, um, you know, kind of education of space with the vast majority of movement going to cloud rapidly 
things are going to get missed from either a baseline configuration perspective or a standards and implementation, you know, you know, standpoint. And so, you know, I think seeing an increase in open S3 buckets with, with large amounts of data in there, um, you know, there's a lack of uh, skilled ethical hackers and penetration testers, vulnerability assessment strategies, and, and tons of security, you know, assessment methodologies centered around cloud that could lend itself to, you know, some unknown amount of vulnerabilities that exist in cloud infrastructure. But I, I like Kevin's answer, and it's, it's hard to follow up with that. But but that's kind of where my head would be at. So Neil would would a way to characterize what I was saying be to do something like a Homer Simpson like don't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up checklist and, 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 and I gave the fist bump for the checklist because um, I, I did cyber operations in the Air Force for 10 years. And when I got out, when I was leading red teams and penetration testing teams, you know, I was a huge fan of having checklists, even in the penetration testing space. And, and you know, that's a very controversial topic amongst ethical hackers and whatnot. And uh, the, the case that I made was, to your point, you know, pilots do it, doctors do it, you know, surgeons do it. And it has nothing to do with the fact that you're not an expert or you can't develop on the fly and you can't think on, on the spot. It keeps you from making simple mistakes. And so I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I think that that's, a, that's an awesome strategy. Well, uh, piggybacking off of that, and forgive me, but I'm reading some of these comments from our Facebook <laughs> group. Our Facebook group um, so one question, and I think this, this piggybacks off that, how can we make the most efficient security for network cloud and how can, and how can we arrange precautions for data protection? Neil, you wanna take that one? Um, gosh, I, I mean, I think, I think in, you know, I think it, I, I hate to, I hate to keep, you know, you know, dragging Kevin's point out longer, but I think, you know, making sure that we do have an adequately trained, you know, uh, force, especially when it comes to, to cloud, especially with as fast as cloud move moves, I think we have to do investments. We talk about investing in 2021 and we talk about a continued acceleration of the cloud strategies. I think, you know, I've always been an advocate for more companies investing in in training and education and and making sure that that their companies are doing you know you know right by their people. Um, I, I think that the most efficient way to do that is is to invest in training. When it comes to data protection, um, you know I I think I think if you haven't established a data protection strategy prior to. 2021, I think you're going to find yourself the same way that we were a year ago, where you're accelerating, trying to find out where all your critical data is and how are you supposed to protect all your critical data, which may prove to be challenging when your external perimeter is as large as it is right now. When I think of data protection, I think of a medieval castle. How's that for <laughs> an analogy? So, you know, the outside the castle, there may be a rock wall a quarter mile out, uh, then there's the drawbridge, then the wall. And as you get closer and closer to the most protected things, the royal family, you know, you are, you have gone through more and more uh, countermeasures, more and more protections, mitigators mm -hmm. of risk. Uh, so, so like that with our data, it's just defense in depth. We just build layers of protection that are as efficient and effective as possible. There's some good tools out there today that even if you get an operating system, so imagine you were to, to get you know, an old style pizza box server and you took it out of a machine room or you got it off out of a van while people were eating lunch, you may not have much, right? Because you may have layers of, of uh, encryption with good key handling mm -hmm. that um, there, it's going to take them forever to get to the goodies, to get to the best stuff, just mm -hmm. like it would take 
uh, a tremendous increase of energy to get to the central, um, to the center of a medieval castle, as opposed to getting through the outer wall. Absolutely. Kevin Lanning, Mr. Analogy is what I'm going to start calling him. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some good ones. I'll give him that. I, I That's pretty it. good. And you guys teed me up perfect uh, because I wanted to mention here to make sure uh, that our audience checks out. Uh, INE actually has a lot of free cybersecurity awareness training uh, programs on our website. We go for those free to businesses and uh, just allow me to get my little plug in here so that I can uh, cash my paycheck, but um, <laughs> <laughs> INE has a great free cybersecurity awareness training program, which I know is not exactly what we were talking about, but encourage uh, as we're talking about making sure that your business is is uh, protected and all of your data is secure in 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 the upcoming year. Um, you certainly, whether you do it through INE or or you pay a lot of money to do it elsewhere. Um, you know, you want to make sure that, that your business is protected. And so, and so definitely check that out as well as a lot of the training courses that INE offers some fantastic, fantastic training courses. Um, so again, thanks for letting me uh, get that plug in there. Kevin, Mr. Analogy, Neil, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. If you have something you'd like us to discuss here on BizTech Blueprint, you can shoot me an email, kbrown at ine.com. You can hashtag BizTech Blueprint on social media. Uh, just use uh, INE. Thanks again, everyone, for joining. Kevin, Neil, thank you guys. Great stuff. Thank you.